and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell, and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. At McCrindle, we love to talk about the generations. Today's high school students and those in their early 20s belong to Generation Z, who were born between the years of 1995 and 2009. If you're a parent or you lead or engage with people of this generation in any sort of context, you will know that they're quite different to those of us who are a little bit older and who've gone before them. The question on many people's mind is how do we best care for this generation who have grown up on screen-based devices and in a more technologically supplied world than any of us who are older have, have ever known or experienced. So I'm absolutely delighted to have psychologist and author Colette Smart joining me on the podcast today to share her wisdom and insight with us about teenagers. Colette, welcome to the Future of What podcast. Thank you for having me. This is uh, one of my favorite topics. So yep, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I imagine you're just so sought after because you like know so much about this enigma, this group of people who are teenagers and everybody, parents, leaders, teachers, you know, are, are really keen to understand. And before we get into the topic of, of raising teens and understanding this generation of young people, I thought I'd ask you the question that I ask of, of every guest that comes on the show. So if you're comfortable, Colette, could you tell everyone what generation you belong to? So I'm a Gen Xer, uh, so I think big permed hair, big fringe <laughs> with lots of teasing and lots of hairspray, uh, Walkmans, um, and my favourite group uh, when I was growing up was AHA. Okay, excellent. <laughs> I love that you've just given some examples. That is a great, paints a great picture. And when people ask you what you do for work, how do you answer that question? So I would probably say I'm in the business of caring for teens and their families. Uh, I started out as a, as a teacher and then I moved into psychology. Uh, I've worked both in private practice and uh, as a school psychologist for about 13 years. Uh, I now also do some lecturing part-time at university and parenting seminars on raising teenagers. Um, but I also have just recently gone back to do another postgrad in of course, a master of child and adolescent mental health. Um, wow. So I'm back to being a student as well, too, part-time. I, I think I love research, so it's kind of a natural fit for me. I'm one of those weird people. I, I, you're probably one of those weird people, Ash, who love research. Uh, and so, <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, going back and doing a master's is, is quite natural. And perhaps that's also why I wrote a book, because I ended up um, doing lots of research for that. But I, I love to keep up with what is current in this world of young people today. Mm. And McCrindle has connected with you in the past and I've connected with you outside of McCrindle land. I remember the first time I heard you speak uh, and deliver a seminar and I was just blown away because it was so practical and evidence-based and insightful and also really hopeful and not kind of this dire situation of we all need to be stressed and worried um, about young people, which I think is a message that so many of us need to hear. But even as you were listing off all that you've done in your experience, I was like, wow, you are you are a busy woman, Colette. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's amazing. Like your your research has just, I imagine, helped so many people. And as someone who has got so much experience, um, I guess, in the real world and working with teenagers and, and counselling and psychology and teaching to then the research side of it, in your opinion, what makes Generation Z, the, the, the real crux of the teenagers that we you know lead and parent today, what makes them different to generations who've gone before them? So the most obvious one is their relationship with and their access to technology, um, something that we never had, the 24-7 access. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've even mentioned to you and Mark before that I've noticed the difference even between my eldest son, uh, who's uh, Gen Z, uh, and my youngest, who's just the really beginning of Gen Alpha, and mm-hmm. how even for for them there's been this big change in interaction with technology. Uh, So this constant access to the world and to their friends. And then, of course, mental health. So mental health really or mental health concerns certainly loom really quite large for this generation. Uh, they, They have mental health struggles and, you know, it's something many generations across the generations have struggled with, but it seems that this generation uh, need a lot of support at the moment. I think partly we understand and, you know, we we understand mental health a lot more than we did in the past and we understand how to support young people. So that is possibly why we see or recognize mental health a lot more, but we have seen an increase in reports of mental ill health for this generation. We know uh, worldwide 10 to 20% of children and adolescents experience mental health disorders, and we know half of all mental illness begin by about the age of 14. And it's important also to note that more recent reports, even prior to the emergence of COVID-19, have indicated that mental health disorders or mental um, ill health is overall among the leading global causes of the burden of disease. And we know that the highest proportion of people affected by this are the 15 to 24-year-old age group. So those are your Gen Z um Young, uh, the, the group that falls into Gen Z. We also know the increase in the prevalence of anxiety disorders um, started prior to the pandemic, yet we also acknowledge that the full ap- impact of the pandemic on mental health disorders is still unknown. So we know that there's been an effect of the in terms of mental health in the pandemic, but we're not really sure what this looks like uh, going forward. Um, of course, you know, we know that our young people really were isolated. And the minute you're isolated, um, it increases loneliness. And loneliness and mental health, we do see a link with that. So, you know, there's a lot there. But but essentially, uh, what I do love about this generation is we are seeing their resilience and this emergence of their, their resiliency, despite everything they've gone through in the last two years. Yeah, it's great to see that um, silver lining, I guess, to a pretty hard couple of years. And yeah, everything that you've mentioned just in that answer is is also what we've seen in in the research as in terms of what people and Australians think about Generation Z. And it does come up a lot, mental health and the people that we speak to in the focus groups, in the surveys, even after conferences, after conference keynote presentations, people come up and talk about, yeah, Generation Z being so technologically supplied but then also, yeah, the impacts from technology, but also other areas on their mental health. So huge, huge opportunities that technology 
uh, provides, but also some key challenges as well for this generation and for those leading and parenting them. And I imagine that you know, you would hear this because we hear it as well a lot that people think, oh, young people today, they're lazy, they're entitled, oh, they just want to excel in their career and the first year of it and, and they expect so much. Do you agree with any of those stereotypes? Like what do you have to say to people when they when they come up to you at, at your presentations or book signings and say that sort of thing? It drives me crazy. <laughs> I think um, I often say, you know, the bashing of teenagers or, or the verbal um, bashing of Generation Z is kind of a national sport. But I know uh, I've even heard you you at McCrindle talk about how it's kind of a, I don't know, is it a rite of passage or something that we we keep having yeah, a we, go at the generation before? I mean, what is it with yeah. all of us? Um, maybe it's to make ourselves <laughs> feel better or how mature Probably. we are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I don't think they are. I don't think that they're lazy or crazy or entitled what I do love is that we know so much more about the neuroscience. We know about brain differences. We know so much more about how the brain is not fully matured uh, until mid-20s. So a lot of that that we see in our Gen Z and emerging, um, uh, you know, uh, our Gen Alpha who are emerging into the teenage years, it's just neurodevelopmental behavior that we're seeing. And a lot of it is just because they're trying to figure out who they are. Their brains are kind of under construction for a while. They they aren't adults yet. And so they're not making adult decisions. And so, uh, you know, one thing that I do love is this um, kind of resurgence in the importance of rites of passage uh, in the sense that we kind of for a while expected our young people to just fall into adulthood and know what to do. And we've lost what I think more traditional, uh, even indigenous cultures do beautifully in terms of rites of passage where somebody is modeling or role modeling to young people what healthy adulthood looks like. And so I think there's much to be said for the benefits of role models and healthy role modeling. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so crucial. And yeah, I love that as well. I mean, I feel like we operate in a similar space in that regard, just that we're kind of like generational defendants almost. And we come in with our with our research and our evidence to sort of paint the picture of why this generation are the way they are, what um, external influences, you know. And I think if you're, an, I mean, a lot of the badgering of Gen Z and Gen Alpha or even millennials, to be fair, has been around technology and, oh, this generation don't know how to get off their phones, you know. And I, and I look around and I, I look, well, other generations are addicted to their devices as well and they're looking at, to us for examples and especially, you know, young kids, you know, they're little sponges watching our behavior with yeah. an interaction with technology and, and we're adults and we can't barely control our desires um, and addiction with screens, let alone if you're a, you know, an adolescent or someone who, like you said, whose um, development hasn't fully happened yet. So some really interesting uh, elements to think about. And I imagine you would speak with a lot of parents who, uh, for the research for your books, uh, in your role, uh, for your study, what do you feel like are some of the biggest concerns that you come across when you speak to parents of Generation Z? And like you said, even Generation Alpha, because the oldest of them are about to hit their teenage years uh, in the coming years. What are the some of those biggest concerns that you find parents are having at the moment with this generation? So uh, again, the two things I've already spoken about, technology and mental health. So, uh, you know, Gen Xs, uh, some Gen Ys uh, would also be parents of teenagers, but 
Gen Xs particularly, I think, are still playing catch up uh, with mm. technology, and I uh, and there can still be a lot of either naivety around what their teenagers are accessing, or, or what they are able to access, how tech savvy they are, uh, and I, I think I think a lot of us need to be learning with our young people. You know, uh, even if you're in IT, it doesn't mean that you actually have a handle on the social media uh, and the type of technology or, or platforms that your teenager is accessing. And it's so important for us to be learning with our, our teenagers uh, and learn what is out there so that we actually are quite aware of what they're accessing and not being afraid to put in uh, boundaries around that, getting good software in our homes for that. Uh, and then, of course, mental health. So we know, I, I, I quote Mission Australia's work all the time mm. at all of my parenting seminars because they are really current with what is going on or uh, what is concerning our young people. And mental health, again, in their most recent report is uh, has come up, but this time it's come up as the third most valued item for young people. And uh, that's no surprise to me because I think our young people have just come through COVID. And it seems like regardless of the country of residence, other data shows that the COVID-19 outbreak had a significant effect on our young people's um, mental health, but also on their internet usage. And mm. so uh, so obviously I'm not implying causation. It doesn't mean because young people use technology, thus they have mental health issues. That's not at all what I'm saying. But we certainly see that this constant access to bad news and comparison with others feeds into or, or exacerbates uh, mental ill health uh, that's going on for our young people. But what was also interesting in some of the more recent data is that during the pandemic, um, no surprise, young people generally did increase their use of social media and streaming devices. But for a lot of them, it they did use it in constructive ways. They found it as a way to kind of combat their loneliness or, or sorry, contrast their loneliness uh, it, it, where they could f feel connected to people that they couldn't be face-to-face -face with. And so mm. it did lead to some forms of happiness, but only to a certain degree. Uh, but if it was still never a substitute for their for their physical um, interaction or physical social relationships with other people. And what's also interesting is a lot of the data shows that young people who struggle with their mental health already tend to gravitate more keenly to technology, and it seems to have an unhelpful effect on their mental health. So really, it's it's about us as parents and adults uh, working with our young people, supporting our young people as they emerge on the other end now of the pandemic. I mean, we're not through it, but, you know, we, we're more connected now. And how do we help them reconnect uh, and pick up some of the skills that they might have lost or not learned during these two years? Yeah, I remember doing some research in the early stages of 2020 when we were just finding our feed and back in the day when we thought it would be over by Christmas 2020 in terms of the pandemic and lockdowns and unfortunately it wasn't and, and it continued and like you said, it still is continuing and the impacts are still being felt and we'll, I'm sure, analyse that for a long time to come. But I remember we, we conducted a survey and we asked Australians about 
the impact they felt COVID would have and the associated lockdowns on the next generation. And it was that, that technology will become more integrated into their lives and the other aspects we're around. They'll expect more flexible working conditions, uh, but also around their resilience. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating that, yeah, an already over oversupplied generation with technology was just um, like we had we had to turn to it like yeah. you said for connection f- t- for them to conduct school to go to school for yeah. us to go to work if we if parents were trying to draw some boundaries I imagine that would have been really tough when COVID hit and it was like well now you have to do it otherwise you can't participate or connect with your nieces and nephews for their Zoom party or whatever it might be so some really fascinating um, observations there but I would also imagine Colette you would get asked this all the time and I guess the the crux of it is people want to know how how do we respond what do we do in response to all the things that you've mentioned around raising teenagers uh, to be great people uh, with multiple skill sets, like you said, not just technology, but skills off the screens and thriving individuals who know how to overcome those challenges, even around their own mental health and well-being. So what's some of the advice that you regularly give out to people who want to help this generation to thrive? So I would say particularly between parents and teenagers or carers and teenagers is relationship, relationship, relationship. Uh, You know, it's not that I mean a parent needs to be their teenager's BFF or best friend forever. Um, (laughs) We know that an an authoritative parenting style uh, appears to be the style that um, is most effective in terms of developing relationships and resilience in our young people. Essentially, what that means is I always call it truckloads of love, but still with boundaries. Both Mm. of those love and boundaries help our young people feel safe. Uh, We can't just have love without boundaries or just boundaries without love because then that falls into a different type of parenting style. Mm. Uh, But it's in building relationship with our young people that builds connection and that role modeling and mentoring that happens. And then also for me, uh, there's this phrase where we talk about rupture and repair. Uh, And what I mean by that is we will all have times in our relationships with our teenagers where there is a rupture. There might have been an argument or there might have been a disagreement. And it feels as though there's this rupture in your relationship. But it's not really the rupture that matters as much as the repair. Now, I'm not talking about abusive relationships. I always say to parents, get that out of your mind. That's a different topic. Mm. I just mean the day-to-day. And it's in the repair of a day, a daily or your weekly rupture that might happen. It's the repair that brings the strength and the bond and the closeness to the relationship. We teach so much in the repair. We role model what it means to say sorry at We role model what it looks like to make right with someone, not engaging in silent treatment for days or, um, you know, destructive ways of interacting. It's really about then after you've, you've had a bit of a fallout, how do you connect with your teenager in a way that is meaningful to them? How do we model listening? when they, they're trying to talk about their pain or something that we perhaps did that was painful in our response to them. So there's so much uh, modeling and role modeling and connection that happens even in the repair. Um, 
And yeah, and then when our young people come and talk to us, it's not always about the advice. Very often they don't want our advice. They just want someone to listen. And yeah. a beautiful phrase I heard was, uh, what do you need from me in this situation? And so getting them to tell you, what do you want from me? Do you just want me to listen or do you need me to respond and interact? Uh, and in that way, it's again, helping them feel heard. Yeah. Wow. So many great tips there. I love that. I feel like I can even apply that to my own relationships. I don't even have a teenager home. So <laughs> it's, it's so it's helpful. It's day-to-day relationships though. Yeah, it? Yes. It is. And I remember we interviewed you for the Generation Alpha book that we released last year. And I think we were talking about yeah, mental health and well-being. I remember something that you said uh, that we put in the book because it was so it was really profound. It's kind of counterintuitive. It was I think it was about yeah helping young people today to lift their eyes off their own problems. And something you you shared was around um, the question you get asked was do I. Um, want my child to be happy. And I think you said something along the lines of it's not about them being happy because it's that kind of puts the focus on themselves, but it's actually counterintuitive. But to become happier and more fulfilled, we actually need to help others and have um, yeah, less selfish desires, but helping others and giving back. And yes. that can help build our own resilience and happiness, but also helps others. So that was something else I remember you sharing about, um, yeah, which was there's really incredible profound. research in, in terms of well-being. And when we actually uh, engage in acts of service or reaching out to other people, it actually improves our um, emotional intelligence mm. and empathy, and it also improves our own well-being. Uh, and so, yeah, so often with young people, and I would say adults as well, times when I'm struggling with, um, you know, feeling stressed about something, I have to remind myself to look up and look out. And it, it's not that we're trying to deny that we might have or our young people might have um, a struggle with their mental health, but often it can give them perspective and it out actually helps the brain to focus on something else rather than the problem and, and the rumination that happens. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really, really helpful. I remember, um, yeah, I was like, we have to put that in the book. We have to put that in our book for your quote. Um, Colette, I'd love to just hear as well, because as I said, and, and again, this came through when we interviewed for the Generation Alpha book, and I feel like it comes through all of your work and commentary and presentations and research is that you are hopeful. And I, and I like us, you know, we don't try and be naive about the challenges that are ahead for young people um, or the different contexts that's shaping them. But we are hopeful, and I feel like you're hopeful as well. Um, why are you hopeful for the future for Generation Z? Oh, I'm absolutely hopeful. Uh, I think this generation is just so enthusiastic about the world. They care about the environment. Um, they tend to be givers and you know, they're not just, um, they're not the stereotype that that we hear. And mm. I, I also think that this generation, this Gen Z is going to be a bunch of um, people who are actually pretty good parents. I think mm. they will have a handle on technology that us uh, Gen Xs, as I said in the beginning, are still playing catch up. A lot of them will be like, nah, you can't pull the wool over my eyes because I did that with my parents kind of thing. Yeah. I think they are... We're just more focused on uh, helping this generation learn um, EQ or emotional intelligence, also sometimes referred to as EI. Emotional intelligence, I think that is going to also help them in their future careers, um, in future relationships, and if they choose to become parents, they will have a better handle on their on their own emotions. Um, but I also think that um, they will be 
better at managing their mental health holistically. And Mm. although I read some of the statistics in the beginning, one of the positives is that when we understand that young people are struggling with their mental health, the earlier we get them to use healthy habits uh, around their mental health, we actually then uh, help them very early on to create uh, long-term habits that they are going to use into their 30s, 40s, 50s, rather than being a 40-year-old or 50-year-old who is, uh, you know, mismanaged or um, used um, or, or haven't had techniques, I should say, um, used behaviors or engaged in behaviors that have been really unhelpful to our mental health as a generation probably because we didn't know any better. And this Mm. generation is going to understand a lot of that more. And I think they're going to put in some really great habits around their mental health that by the time they get into their latter years will be better at managing their mental health. So I I just think um, just in general, um, there's a lot of positives in this generation because we know so much more around research in technology and mental health, which are the two topics I've spoken about today a lot a lot of the time, um, I just have hope for them. Uh, I, I just think they are a wonderful generation. Yeah, we, we do as well. Um, and I'm sure that many people listening to the podcast today would be very keen to get their hands on your research and your insights and your books. Uh, so thank you so much for the chat today, Colette. We've loved having you on the podcast and thank you for sharing your wisdom and your research. If people are keen to find out more about as I said, your, your work or your books, uh, where should they go? The website I usually point people to is my Raising Teenagers website. It's raisingteenagers.com.au. Uh, that's the place where I um, have a whole lot of information on just loving and caring for and supporting your young people. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there'll be an up in traffic because, yeah, the insights you've shared today has just been so helpful. So thanks again so much, uh, Colette, for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like to stay up to date with McCrindle's latest insights, you can subscribe to the podcast or follow us on social media. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review as always. So once again, thanks for listening and bye for now.